Welcome back, everybody, to your creativity. We are back on Skype again, talking to somebody on the other side of the country. Uh, this time, it's somebody that used to be here in Salt Lake, uh, getting giving us news stories from time to time, sometimes every night. <laughs> um, her name is Nicole Val. Yeah. <laughs> How are you, Nicole? I am doing wonderful, Dylan. Thanks for having me on. It's really nice to reconnect with some of my Salt Lake and Utah people all the way over here in D.C. So. Well, what I liked about you when you were on the news here, here in Salt Lake is um, you brought strong stories. Uh, you know, sometimes people just kind of phone them in and, you know, but, you know, you could tell you were invested in finding more about exactly what was going on and asking um, great questions, including a story about my friend Kathy. Um, do you remember that one? I hope one? I remember. It, it's the <laughs> one where um, she had an issue with her van and you you got her a new one. I, oh, yes. Oh, my gosh, Kathy. I still talk to her. I, I still have a relationship with her. That story was one of my favorites. Honestly, it was one of the best moments that I had at news was helping her out uh, because she was felt like she was hitting a wall at every corner. Yeah. Um, I do remember Kathy and I, I'm still, I'm still friends with her till this day. I talk to her on occasion on Facebook. We're friends on Snapchat. We are friends on Instagram and she sends me like inspiring messages sometimes and just says hi. And we check in with the, in with each other. And I do that with a lot of people that I have, done stories with in the past but Kathy has been consistent so I absolutely love her she's she's great she's actually an ex-girlfriend of mine like oh, <laughs> <laughs> nice yeah I, I can I'll tell you more of the story uh, off the air but <laughs> oh got it got it nothing crazy but you know it's just this isn't the place for that we're here to talk about you no no worries. I, what I know of Kathy is she is a great person. She's got great energy, and she deserved um, the van that we were able to get her because of very crazy. Just so your listeners know what we're talking about, I feel like maybe I should explain briefly. But she had um, her van had been in the driveway of her dad's house, I believe. I can't remember the city we were there. We were in, but I think it might have been West Jordan was West Jordan. Okay. Um, and a, someone who had st- stolen a different car, stolen a truck had, re- had taken that truck and then kind of got on like a wild chase and hit the van in the driveway and then fled that, that car that he stole and it hit Kathy's van in the driveway. So she was this innocent van sitting in the driveway and this guy that stole a truck slams into her van in her driveway and then takes off and he had stolen that car. So it was like, she was never going to get any insurance money out of that. And she didn't realize that she didn't have the right coverage for a situation like that. And so it was a big learning lesson for all the viewers that saw the story to double check to see if you have that property damage coverage and all sorts of things. But she needed that van to get around and she didn't have any way out of this horrible, really unique situation. And then um, so we partnered with uh, Mark Miller Subaru and got her a newer used van. And it was really a cool moment for me as a reporter to kind of give back to the community because that's what I really 
really got into this business in the first place to do that. But um, that was that. So, so your viewers know, or sorry, your viewers, I say viewers, but listeners know, um, or viewers, because we're doing video. Yeah, we're doing video. Uh, <laughs> so they know that's what that's the story behind Kathy in the van and your ex girlfriend, Kathy in the van. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what? How did you come end up in Salt Lake? What, what, you know, what schooling did you have, and what kind of brought you here? Gosh, so I went to school in Detroit. I went to Wayne State University, and I kind of always knew, even in high school, that I wanted to do something. Um, and I, I, I hesitate to call journalism performing arts, but. I was in performing arts in high school and I also loved to write. So I was like, hmm, what can I do to mush those two loves together? I was in theater and then I also was a writer from like birth. I'm pretty sure that I was writing from the womb. I'm convinced that I've just always been a writer of some sort. And my last name is Vowel. That is not a coincidence. So <laughs> I, don't th- I don't think it is at all. And, uh, I think I was just destined to write. So I, so I, from high school, I kind of knew that I wanted to do, uh, something that involved writing and performing. And then I took a broadcasting class with my friend and mentor till this day, Miss Hillman. And she kind of guided me in the broadcast journalism world. Then I landed at Wayne State University, never changed my mind. I'm probably one of the very few students that went to college and didn't change their mind about their major. <laughs> Never changed my mind, knew what I wanted to do from the beginning and went to school, learned all the tools that you needed, uh, got a couple internships. And then I landed my first job um, back in 2011. Yes, 2011 in uh, a small town, Tyler, Texas. I had actually given up on I'd given up on looking for a job because it was it's such a hard industry to get into. I was like, man, I'm never going to be a reporter. I'm just going to throw my dreams away. This is never going to happen. I kind of went into marketing and creative writing for a big company. And then I got a phone call from a news director in Texas, like in the middle of my work day. (laughs) And and it was like, hey, we saw your stuff on YouTube. Really liked you. Let's have a talk considering bringing you down here to work for our station. And, And I was just like, I had to like leave the office and I was so excited. And so long story short, I shortly after that, I quit my job in marketing and made my journey. I think it was like 11 hour drive down to Texas, small town, Texas, and uh, was doing the news and it was wild. It was fun. I learned a ton working in, in Tyler. And uh, then after two and a half years, I was like, okay, this is time for me to like make another step forward here in my career. Looked all over the place. I had like, I think I had like five or six, I think I had like five solid offers. Um, Even an offer in Lexington, Kentucky, which is where I grew up. So uh, this is a hard decision for me to move to Salt Lake City. Yeah, especially with Um, that offer on the table. Let's go back there, yeah. Yeah, I was like, okay, there's my family. And then... I was like, I, I, I'm familiar with this area. I can totally work here. It's a good market. Salt Lake was a bigger market, so that was another reason. Um, but I remember landing 
I, I remember when I was flying into Salt Lake for the very first time for my job interview at KSL that I was so mesmerized by the mountains. I had never seen a mountain before in my life. Wow. Before I moved to Salt Lake. So to, to me, it was like my jaw was just like, how do you – what? This is – oh, my gosh. This is like the most beautiful – place I'd ever seen. And I think that's what sold me right away on top of KSL being a great, amazing place to work. I have nothing bad to say about that place. It's, it was just, it just felt right. I go on feeling a lot of the time and it felt right. A lot of my family was like, what are you doing? (laughs) Well, you don't want to work with us. You don't want to live by us. And I was like, it's just, it's just the feeling that I got. And then yeah, um, it was one of the greatest right, yeah. decisions that I made, I think. Yeah. So that's how I landed there. Um, and it was my second job in TV news uh, was in Salt Lake City. So I was in Market 107, which if you're not familiar with TV markets, it's around like, like 215 no or so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's 215 markets across the country. I was in 107 in Tyler and then I jumped to the 30 market in Salt Lake and then after that went to DC. So, so that's what, that's how I got to Salt Lake city. What were some of your favorite parts of when you were here in Salt Lake and how many years were you here? I was here. I were, or I was here. I was there for years. I was there four years. And I was like, man, I never in a million years thought I would live in Utah. Like no, no one I ever knew, knew about Utah. No one ever was like, I'm going to Utah to like have, you know, no one ever, it was just like a state that you just didn't really think about until you go there. And then it becomes the greatest state you've ever been to. (laughs) So, so, um, I'm actually planning, we're actually planning on moving back to to Utah next year. Um, so that's how much I loved it. So that's just, that should tell you something. I mean, we're, we want to move back after, after being away, we want to go back. So, yeah. Well, that's, that's awesome to hear. Um, so also, uh, well, you're in DC now, so you transitioned from uh, KSL to kind of a national reporter position. Tell, tell us about that. So I, it was my time to move on, um, and kind of further my career. And I, Accepted position with Scripps News, and I was their national correspondent um, telling stories initially for a sh- program called The Race ahead of the 2018 midterm elections. And so I was really heavily politically focused on my storytelling on the political side, but not really politicians talking really more to people about the issues that, that they have with politics and things like that. So it was really cool. Traveled all over the place. I was in like three cities a week sometimes. Um, yeah, it, it was a lot. I would come home. I would leave on like Sunday night or Monday morning and I wouldn't get home till Friday night. And I basically had enough time to come do my laundry over the weekend and get back on a plane. <laughs> so it was, it was a lot uh, for the first three months, but I was down. I was game. It was like exciting. It was new. I was traveling. It was, um, it was 
awesome to meet all these different people. It came with a set of challenges, no doubt, but it was really a cool experience. Um, and then I, after that, the, after the midterm was over, I kind of went into more of a role of just a regular correspondent for all of their stations. Oh, sorry. There's a crying baby. Sorry. I don't know whose baby that is. Um, sorry. So, um, anyway, so then, um, it turned out that that when I transitioned into that role of what, uh, and I don't want to turn this conversation to negative one, but it just wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Um, and I had been promised certain things that didn't come to fruition. And, um, I really was asking myself, what am I doing? What am I actually doing? I'm in journalism to help to make a change in the world. And I felt like I was not doing that. I wasn't accomplishing that. So, um, after, let's see here, da, da, da. probably about six months in that role, mm-hmm. I was like, I had approached my boss and I just quit my job. I quit. I was under contract. It was so scary. I was like, you know, I don't feel like I'm fulfilling what I am setting out to do in the world. So I I wasn't, I feel like my creativity was limited. I feel like I wasn't being heard in the organization as well as in a storytelling capacity that I was comfortable with. Um, I felt like a lot of people were complacent in just showing up and I'm not a complacent person. I need purpose behind what I do and to be fulfilled. And I need a creative outlet that I can really shine in, in order to be happy with what I'm doing. So I wasn't, none of those things were happening. So I reevaluated, I took a huge risk. My partner, not married, but my boyfriend was so supportive And I said, I'm quitting my, and I was making decent money. I mean, I was making a really good salary. I was like, I'm going to quit my job and I have no idea what I'm going to do next. So I hope you're ready. (laughs) (laughs) And he had all the faith in the world in me and has always, always has. And so he's like, whatever makes you happy, I just want you to be happy. And I wasn't at that time. So uh, that was really nice to have that support. Um, although a lot of other people were very, had a lot of opinions about it. Uh, I, I definitely had the support within to do that. And then, um, so that's, that's what happened. That's, and I'm still here in DC and, and we're still trying to transition, um, you know, leaving that role as a national, leaving everything. It was really leaving everything that I had known for, a very long time, a storyteller on TV, a reporter, someone who gives the voice to the voiceless. I was, you, I feel like a lot of the times your identity is attached to what you do in your profession. Like if someone asks you, what do you do, Dylan? Graphic design. Yeah. So you're a graphic designer. That is who you are, right? That's who you are. That's what you do. That's what you're passionate about. So I wasn't doing that anymore. I wasn't the reporter. I was like, what the heck? What am I if I'm not a reporter? And I started really just going down this journey of what can I do to fulfill my need to be creative, 
to be a writer, to give people a voice, to tell stories. And I was like, well, there's several. I mean, the world is your oyster at that point. You can do whatever you want to do. And I had the credentials and the background and the on paper, you know, to do it. I looked good on paper, I guess you could say. And I tried to get jobs and PR and all sorts of things. And then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to start my own company. There you go. <laughs> and I did it. So that's where I'm at. I started my own PR company. Uh, it was terrifying. I bet. Uh, and here I am. And it was, and it's been definitely learning stuff every single day. Um, and, but I've also allowed myself to, to create some time to do more writing. Um, writing. I've had a screenplay idea for years and years. I've had book ideas for years and years. And it's really allowing me to being an entrepreneur now is really allowing me to, uh, to explore those things. So it's exciting. Um, as a reporter though, you did win a couple of awards. I, off the top of my head, I can't remember what they were for. It was like an Emmy and some other one. Is that, is that right? Uh, um, so yeah, I got a few Emmys. Um, I got a few of them and I'm trying to remember what they were for. <laughs> so bad. I've won so, so many awards. I, I can't remember. <laughs> uh, no, okay. Um, well, you know, I will say I it's an honor to be recognized oh, uh, yeah. for your work. So, um, off the top of my head, my very first one, it was it was important because it was a lot of the times Emmys and other awards are attached to a group of people, but this one was just attached to me and it was my story from start to finish. There was no other hands involved except for a photographer, of course. Um, and so that was a cool, I did an investigative piece on the bus driving system in, in the state of Utah. So I went down, I broke down, I think there's like 40 something counties and I went county by county and investigated how their bus systems were operating, why there was a lack of bus drivers, how much they were spending on buses, um, and then there was, and so I, I created an alternative solution based on one county um, that was using a third-party bus system and how they saved money doing it and how they always had drivers available. So I created a solution for the entire state, really an option and with that story. And so that was my first Emmy in 2016, um, which was huge for me because it was it was creating a solution to a problem. And that's, I mean, that's helping the community and helping them and educating them on ways to do that was always and has always been my mission as a journalist. So um, that was really huge for me. And then I want a few more. Another one stands out. I also won a couple SPJ awards. Um, yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> but, I think I have like five total. I don't remember. Yeah. Five Emmy uh, total, which is a huge honor. And I don't really like talking about awards that much because I feel like they're, yeah, it's nice to be recognized and it is an honor, but, um, but that's not why I did it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. It was okay. Some icing on the cake. 
so to speak. Well, I or, see, definitely. Or cherry on the pop. cake. Yeah. But, but my job was sweet every day, so I, I didn't really need the icing. But I got it, which was nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we uh, uh, jump into talking about the PR more, um, there's a couple of uh, reporter-related things that um, that you talk about quite a bit online right now. Uh, the first one's uh, kind of a news museum. Actually, I think that's the name, news museum there in D.C. that's closing at the end of the year. I just wanted to have you talk about that on the spotlight it so people can check it out before it's done. Yeah, I really encourage people to, before the end of the year, I think it actually closes, I want to say like mid-December, so there's not that much time left, <laughs> like a month left. So it's the museum. Um, and it's one of the, and if, if you've ever been to DC, there's so many museums here, all the Smithsonian's there's, you name it, there's just a museum for it. It's, and I've been to several and a lot of them are free. A lot of them are free to the public. Um, some of them are not. And the, the museum is not, it is one of those that you have to pay to get into. And so it just can't compete with all the free museums that there are. And, um, so it struggles a little bit. Um, and it's closing. It's very sad. But I, I took a trip there uh, not that long ago. I had a friend of mine from Pennsylvania who's a reporter in Pennsylvania. She had said, hey, I'm coming to D.C. to go to the museum. Let's go. And I was like, you know what? I've been meaning to go there before it closes, so let's check it out. And it was really um, – gosh, I like had so many emotions walking through that museum because there's a memorial wall of all of the journalists over the years that have – died while you know working including photojournalists journalists you know overseas in the u.s everywhere it's just this immense wall and you just really see how many dedicated passionate journalists have gone above and beyond for their job and sacrificed their life because of it it was huge powerful uh thing to see um not only that uh it was interesting to see how the news has changed over the years. I remember some of the LGBT headlines back in the fifties, uh, talking about the homosexual community. And I say that because that's the word they used in their headlines. And it was just really eye opening to see the difference in, and where we have, where we've come from in news to where we are today. And, it's more inclusive and we are careful with our language and I, it was just really eye opening. I think we just get stuck in the here and now and don't really take a look at the history. And so for me, I've always been a fan of history and to see that firsthand and to see it up close and read those words was so powerful. And I encourage all people, not just journalists, to, to go check it out because without journalism, you know, we don't have, have democracy and as much as there's media bashing in the world, <laughs> uh, we, we, we couldn't live without it. Truly. I don't think you could live without it. So, um, it's really, it was really, really cool. Kind of like stepping back in time, uh, in the journalism world to see where we've, how far we've come. It was really cool. 
So I encourage people to go before the end of the year because sadly it will not be around anymore. But they will be. I, I did ask. They will be taking a lot of their exhibits and transferring them to other museums. So they'll be breaking them apart and putting them in other museums. So it's not gonna not all going to be lost, which is good. Oh, that's good. And then um, you've started a campaign, uh, Mental Help for Media. Um, tell us a little bit about that because I, I don't know the full details, so I don't want to misquote. No, that's okay. So it's it's actually it's a passion project of mine. Um, I'm really going to be hitting it hard at the beginning of the year um, because starting, it turns out starting your own company is a lot of work. So, uh, <laughs> so I'm only one person. So uh, mental health for media, I, I've had this idea for a really long time. And I kind of, I think we get in our own way and we think this, things are too big for us to tackle as one person. So I was like, oh, I can't do this. Who am I to do this, you know, kind of mentality. And then I said, you know what, if, if, if I can try to do it, then why not? And I just kind of rolled with it. And so what essentially what it is, is uh, I, I struggle with depression, anxiety, PTSD. Um, and so, and a lot of those things came from my job in the news. Uh, and a lot of people don't know. I mean, we are up close. We're there with the first responders a lot of the times, not as close as they are, of course, to the team, but we're there, we're talking to the same people, we're witnessing the same things. I've dead bodies. I remember my first dead body. You, you know, it's like these are things that normal people like you probably will never see in your lifetime. And I hope you never have to. But um, these are things that we deal with as journalists on a daily basis that people may forget about, that we actually do see these traumatic things in some form or fashion all the time. I mean, we are always, and how did I describe it? Um, it's like we play hide and seek with people's tragedies. We're trying to seek their tragedies in order to tell you yeah. about them, which is kind of sad, but that's just what it is. So I realized, and I was talking to a lot of my first responder friends, a lot of my police officer friends, and they all had um, mentioned that they had readily available um, mental health professionals on site or available to them easily, easy access. They have chaplains. They have a resource to go to at any moment and talk about the issues that they were facing because there are some stories that are really hard to, to handle. And I realized that we didn't have that. And I mean, there's, you know, employee assistance programs that are out there that you can, you know, in two weeks time, talk to somebody you now kind of thing. But I said, there's got to be a better way. You know, there's got to be a better way. Maybe there's an on call, you know, I, I was just kind of brainstorming why don't we have this in the news? We're up close. We're there. We see this tragedy. I've experienced anxiety, depression, PTSD symptoms based on stories that I've covered. And it's affected me in a lot of different ways. Why don't we have a resource available to us as journalists? And I said we need to we just need to and then I kind of put this idea out there to a few people and they were like this is definitely needed why has why don't we have this we have to do this kind of thing and so they kind of fueled my passion for this and um I 
just said mental health for media. Here's the campaign. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, you know, and I kind of laid the groundwork of how I want to reach people. And so I'm working on that right now. I'm working on that reach and getting into the emails and the phone calls of news directors and newsrooms across the country, not just TV, you know, newspaper, any form of media, news media, uh, and saying, Hey, like what's, what's the solution for your, your employees? How are you making sure they're taken care of mentally? And if they don't have something, then maybe they can explore it. And so, um, that's my whole goal is to get into newsrooms across the entire country and change the way that they have access to mental health and professionals to help them when they need it. Because I'm not the only one that struggles. I know that for a fact. So, um, so that's my real mission and kind of shifted my, my, uh, voice as a journalist telling other people's stories and really opening up about my own, which has been interesting, very uncomfortable, uncharted territory <laughs> sometimes. Um, and it's been empowering though. It's given me a lot of strength to just keep going and just keep talking about things. Cause, cause that's how you solve them. You got to talk about them first. So. That's amazing. Yeah. Because some of your stories were like pretty traumatic when you were here. Like um, one that comes to mind is was it when that plane that plane crash or it was a major car crash yes. or something? Like you were like around the corner on a different story, and you just <sighs> that was wild. Um, and I just got the chills when you said that because I just like so it takes me back there. So Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, it's fine. No. And I still, so I still am in contact with, I'll get to that. Let me just explain to your listeners really quickly. So uh, what you're talking about, Dylan, is I was in Roy and I was doing a story, unfortunately, about an infant death um, investigation and there had been someone linked to the family. So I was doing an interview about a dead one-year-old to say the in a very frank, um, unsympathetic way. <laughs> That's what I was doing. And so that was already horrible. Um, and then, so I'm doing that. And then all of a sudden we, me and myself photographers see this plane, this low flying plane that was like topping the trees. And I look up and then all of a sudden it just hit the ground in the middle of the road and burst into flames. And I'm like, this is not life. Like what? <laughs> like you don't see that every yeah. day so it was wild. And I remember just my reporter instincts kicking in and saying, this is news. I have to get it on air somehow. So I went live on Facebook. I remember, and I, I got a lot of flack for, I was kicked off my heels and I started running to the scene, <laughs> like yeah. literally running. And, um, I got so close. I remember the flames were so hot. And like, I was like, I was like trying to go live find people to talk to and then like see how if anybody was in there and it was a really it was like the reporter became the witness to something newsworthy so it was very different I was like okay it was very uh, interesting story and the plane actually hit a car on its way down in the road it, by the grace of God 
didn't hurt anybody, but, um, so her name, her name's Samantha Sandoval and she, um, was in the car that got hit by the plane and she has had tremendous PTSD. She doesn't even like leave the house. Driving is not even an option for her. She was so traumatized by that event that it has shaped her entire life. And I witnessed that. And so, um, for me, it was, I don't know. It was, it was a lot. And you don't really process it until after, like later, like while you're in it, you're like, get the story, get the story, your reporter, do this, tell people what's going on. And then you get home and you're like, wow, I witnessed a plane crash into a car that someone was in today. Like you, it, it takes some time to process that stuff. So, um, that was one of the bigger stories that stands out that people would remember. I think, um, me covering in Salt Lake, that was one of the many, um, tragedies that I witnessed. And well, that one was up close and personal, but that I've covered at least. So yeah, lots of, lots of those. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's, a, it's a perfect day to tie into the, you know, the mental health for media. Cause you know, you were covering two very traumatic stories. Yeah. And you know, a lot of the times, and I love everything that the media stands for. I love everything that journalism stands for. But working in TV, a lot of the times you never really like when you get back from a story like that and your producers are sitting there and your bosses are sitting there. A lot of the times it's just, hey, good, good work today. Good work today. Way to get that story. And it's never, are you okay? You saw a lot of SHIT. I don't know if I can swear on this program or not, but you you saw a lot of stuff today. (laughs) you saw a lot of of shit today are you all right it was and i can honestly say maybe one or two times that anyone had ever asked me that and so um it, it it that should be part of the conversation that should be part of hey you saw a lot of stuff today you handled a lot of emotional stuff you know, there would be times where I was, I would be texting my photographer, calling, you know, my videographer in the middle of the night to check on him to make sure he was okay, because we had seen the same thing. And we're very much a team when it comes to working. So um, we both experienced the same thing. So that would be my outlet would be to talk to the person I was with. Um, But at a at a at a management level, superior supervisor level, it was never part of the conversation. It was always good work today. Way to get that on air on time. You know, you know, or, you know, it was praise for the work, but it was never, there was never a layer of, are you okay? You just went through and saw a lot of stuff. (laughs) And I think that should be part of the conversation. And, if I can be someone to incite that change across the country in newsrooms, then I'm going to do it because it's important to me. And, um, you can only take so much of that, you know, you will you can only take so much of seeing that without dealing with it in a healthy way. 
So since you brought up um, uh, management, um, let's talk about the morning show on uh, Apple TV that recently debuted. <laughs> so, yeah, um, so go. Do you have a question? Or? Yeah, oh. just kind of your feelings about it, and we'll go from there. Oh, I was like, someone sent me a link probably three or four months ago when it when it they announced that it was going to be a show, and I was like, they were like, this is totally your show, and I'm like, I can't wait for it to come out. I can't wait for it to come out. I have Apple TV, and, and um, I love you know film, TV, books, any sort of media. It's always fueled me creatively in in different ways, but so this was really relatable. Obviously, the morning show. If you're not familiar, it's an Apple TV original. It's only on Apple TV. And it's Jennifer Aniston, Reese Witherspoon, Steve, Steve Corral. Steve Carell, yeah. Um, and it's based on the news business and the morning show. And, and I think a lot of it has to do with the Matt Lauer, you know, Today well, Show. Well, yeah, the, the door sure. is in the show. So, yeah. Exactly. You can't get so a much more blatant reference than that. It's paralleled to the the situation with Matt Lauer and all of the allegations against him with, with you know, sexual assault and all sorts of stuff. And so um, I – it's only four episodes in, so I can't really, can't really make a conclusion on the entire show yet. But I, I think I most relate to Reese Witherspoon, just kind of the, her character in that show just being that rule breaker, (laughs) if you will, like always the one to push the envelope. And, um, it's a really exciting show. I'm excited to see where it goes, especially knowing, you know, it has a parallel to, um, to the today show incident and how that was handled. And, um, so yeah, I think it's important, you know, for people to move, the curtain move back the curtain see behind the curtain see how things really operate i mean of course on the network level like the whole like dressing rooms and makeup rooms and that happens at the network level but that does not happen at the local level we know we don't have any of that stuff. <laughs> so a lot of it's like um you know we i never had all of the luxuries so it's just kind of cool to see um that there's a show out there that's kind of peeling back the curtain of the news industry and especially on a morning show. Morning shows are so unique. I worked on a morning show for six months in Salt Lake right when I started. And it's so different than the rest of the news. It's just different. It's a different feel. It is a family, very much a family feel. And so I think they really portrayed that well with Jennifer Aniston when she finds out that you know, her co-anchor Steve Carell isn't coming back. And it was just, it's just a devastating blow. And then the management part of it. So, and I don't want to give away too much of the show. People haven't watched, but, um, there's a, there's a us versus them mentality, the management versus the talent knows best kind of thing. Yeah. And I think, I think that that's, that's realistic. Um, I think, you know, it, it wouldn't be a newsroom without uh, people having differing opinions about how things are supposed to be operating. Uh, I was definitely always, I will say, and I think other people would say this as well, I was definitely the person who was the most outspoken in the KSL newsroom when I worked there um, about, 
you know, things that I would observe. And I was never afraid to say those things and stand up for what I thought was right and um, be the rule breaker, <laughs> not rule breaker, but um, I should, I don't know, ruffle a couple feathers. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was never afraid to do that. And, um, and so that came with some interesting dynamic, but you know, that's just the way newsrooms are. So no hard feelings. I, I see, <laughs> seeing Reese, I see, I see a lot of you there, especially when she quit, um, the, the job in the first episode where, <laughs> where she's oh, like, yeah, you do yeah, all yeah. this crap and you're just like, yeah, it, it, so that, yeah, that's why I wanted to get that, your thoughts about that it. Scene, that scene was really powerful to hear. She's like, you expect us to have, when you expect like people to not have feelings about things that they're doing, then, you know, find somebody else kind of mentality. It struck a chord with me because yeah. it's like, you're, we become these, like, become these news reporting factories it's like we're like these it's like we're a factory we're a machine we're robotic almost to where you just spit out these deep horrible stories like nothing's wrong you know like nothing's wrong with the story like nothing's wrong with you and it just becomes you it almost like you become numb to a lot of things because of your job because that's what you're supposed to do but that's not reality and so that's why, and that really just took me back to my mental health for media campaign and why I'm doing this because it's so, it's so important to know that we are also humans that are covering very tragic human events. We're all humans at the end of the day. We all have feelings. So let's not forget that. And so that was, it just really hit home why I'm doing what I'm doing, you know? That scene, that one scene with Reese Witherspoon when she quit, was very powerful. Everyone should watch that show. Get Apple TV. <laughs> it's a fun show. There's other great shows on there too. See, I'm not quite on board yet, but um, for all mankind is really good. It's kind of an alternative take on the space program. And I haven't seen See or um, or the other one. I'm on board with Encore though. Encore's right. Um, oh wait, yeah. no, Encore's Disney Plus. Disney Sorry. Plus. That, that's a whole nother can of worms. <laughs> so that, but I do live on for yeah, Disney that, Plus. That debuted on Tuesday. What what have you been watching so far? On on Disney Plus. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It was like I was like a kid in a candy store. We sat there and we're like going through the immense amount of content that you get. Holy crap. It's like so much content. They're just like, where do I begin? You know? It's like, it's like the Netflix movies, effect. Yeah. It's like Yeah. And you know, I just remember saying, oh, my gosh, they have all 30 seasons of The Simpsons. They have, um, you know, everything. It's just like the the content is endless. So I was like, where do you start? And I really was thrown back to, like, being in elementary school and middle school when I saw Doug. I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I started watching Doug. And then it was cool it's really cool watching something when you're an adult that you consumed as a child, because there are things in there. Like there was a scene uh, in Doug in the first episode that the um, Skeeter, Doug's best friend gets um, some sort of gift and it says Rosebud. And it was, a, it was a, um, 
it was a it was a sled that said rosebud, and I instantly go back to you know oh. I studied Orson Welles and Citizen Kane, and I know that that's from that movie now, but I didn't know that as a kid. So you're really watching it with a different set of eyes in a different perspective now. So it's really cool to go back as an adult and watch all these cartoons. I think it's fun. Yeah, um, like uh, rescue, uh, Chippendale Rescue Rangers. I'm excited to start watching that because like, yes. like afternoons, I you know, the Disney stuff in the afternoons, I watched like crazy that and... Tailspin and gummy bears and there's just so many. It's gonna it's gonna be a fun journey with on there. And, and Little Mermaid for me. Fun fact about me: I had Little Mermaid everything growing up. Um, Little Mermaid bedspread, Little Mermaid pillowcases. <laughs> I just loved that movie, and so I'm excited to watch it uh, again because I have not seen it in like decades plus. Decades plus. <laughs> and, um, um, and so, yeah, it's really cool to like have all of that at your fingertips and not have to sift through all your, you know, DVDs that you have to get it, you know, the old movies out. And so it's, it's I love that Disney's doing this. It's, it's a very it's awesome. smart move. Uh, NVPR, you, you brought up your uh, PR firm earlier. Envy's the name. Um, I, your, your initials are in the middle of it. it. How did that kind of shape the name, trying to include your initials? So I always thought, so I believe in manifesting your destiny. I feel like I've been manifesting unconsciously since I was a kid. And so I always told myself at one point in life, I really want a company that, or something attached to myself that was E-N-V-Y, the name because envy that's my initials so it's envy in a word and it's also my initials so I figured it embodies a lot of things that you know I thought would work for a company and so um a lot of people had some opinions on the name that uh when I when I kind of put my company out there that um they said it had a negative connotation and I just kind of I think when you're creative, if you allow people to have too many opinions, you're going to just start second guessing your creativity, which is not something that I am a fan of doing. You know, it's subjective. It's whatever floats your boat kind of thing. As a creative person, I think if it works for you, then it should just, it should be fine. It doesn't have to work for everyone else. You know, art is subjective. Names or words is, you know, the way you put words together is subjective. If you like it, you don't you know, that's fine. But, um, so yeah, I came up with the name envy public relations and cause I've always known that I wanted to have some sort of envy related company. Even when I was a kid, I was thinking about this for whatever reason. And, uh, yeah, I just honestly to be how it started, someone, uh, approached me and said, I kind of just put it out there like, you know, I, I declared it and I believe in, you know, declaring things in your life to make them come to life. And I declared that I was a PR pro and I think I put that on one of my, um, like my Instagram bio or something. And someone approached me and said, Hey, would you be willing to do PR for my you know company and da, 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 da. And, 
And I was like, sure, I can do that. Absolutely. And I just said, now I need a company. And um, literally overnight, I got, I created a website. I, you know, did everything that I thought you were supposed to do to start a company. (laughs) (laughs) Which was, I don't, it turns out I didn't know anything. Um, And... But the real thing is doing the work and I, I do the work. And so that's what matters. Um, but yeah, so that's how Envy Public Relations started was someone asking me to do PR for their for them. And, and then I said, sure, I can do that. Like kind of shrug my shoulders like, yeah. And then I have I've always had this act, act, of, act, act as if mentality, like act as if you know what the hell you're doing and then just figure it out. You know what I mean? And I'm smart enough to figure it out. So I did. And here we are. Now I have several clients. I have a client in Detroit. I have a client in LA. I have a client in Atlanta. I have clients approaching me all the time, which I'm only one person. So it's like I have to take that into account. Like, holy crap, I might need to be, you know, I can only do so much and do quality work. So it's been a lot of work. (laughs) I'll just say that. It's been more work than I thought it was going to be, but I'm ready for the challenge. I love challenges. I always have. And um, so, yeah, that's kind of how I started NVPR. Um, Did your marketing past help kind of get things figured out? Or are those two kind of two separate things, marketing and PR? No, uh, marketing PR are along the same vein. Um I had a, I've always had a marketing background. So or I shouldn't say background. I've also, I've always had a marketing mind. So even when I was working in news, I would be working with the promos, promotions people daily. How can we promote my story and market it before it airs to make people watch it? Like I wanted to work hands-on with those people every day to make sure that the wording was right, to make sure that the video was, was the best video was used. Um, and I've always had that, like, how can we sell this the best possible way? Even if it's a story or an interview or whatever, I wanted to be involved in that process. It wasn't just the journalist, the journalist, you know, being a journalist. It was, the journalist being the promotions person as well. So I was always kind of hands-on in that, um, in that regard. A lot of the promo people would be like, Hey, what do you think about this? And they would come back and forth with me and I would say, Hey, no, let's change it. And I would make time for that marketing side of the story. Uh, not to mention before working in news, I worked, uh, in marketing as well for, um, it was my first job out of, um, well, take that back. My first job, well, my job when I was in college was a, a bartender and server. Um, but then my first quote unquote real job and I, and bartending and serving is a real job. I don't want to discredit those people at all, but, um, it was in marketing and I was a creative copywriter for, uh, a staffing company and I was creating marketing campaigns to entice people to apply for jobs and it was really fun and I learned a ton of stuff from I'm still in touch with her too one of my supervisors at um, Kelly Services Margaret Sandrowski amazing amazing woman she taught me a ton about creative writing and and marketing and 
Um, so I've always kind of had that in me. Like, yeah, the story is one thing, but if no one reads it, what's the point? You know what I mean? I've always had that marketing mind. So it was kind of a natural fit for me to say, Hey, how do I sell? You know, I have a lot of influencer clients. Um, how do I sell them to brands, right? To make them jump on board. And so it was just a natural thing for me. It's been pretty an an easy transition, um, into PR. Um, now, Dealing with the clients and how they want the sun, the moon, and the stars in 24 hours is a different story. Oh, believe me. <laughs> believe. But, I'm, no, we're in the same boat no, there. No, no, you, know like. you know what it's like. They want the, the sun, the moon, and the stars, and the whole universe in 24 hours. And it's like, well, you're not going to get on Ellen tomorrow, so let's just back up. You know? yeah. So... <laughs> so Let's work on a, a local publication. Let's go from there. And then, you know, I think um, people, and this is really I, my opinion about social media is, you know, social media puts the pressure on, right? You see these people with all these followers and they're all getting on magazines and this and that. And they're like, I want to do that. I want to be that. How do I do that? But it, it's a process. It's a, it's a step-by-step thing. You start with, you start small and you grow. And that's, um, that's what I, I try to coach my clients on that. Like, Hey, you know, you're not going to jump right on, you know, Ellen day one, like that, that's not how this works. You know, even though Sally has 500,000 followers on Instagram is on there, you're not going to be there yet. You got to, you got to <laughs> take, take some time, you know, to get to that level. And I will be, I will be there with you every step of the way, but it's just, that's not how the media works. So, um, and knowing how the media works is also really a benefit to being in PR because I know I speak their language, you know, I speak yeah. their language. I know what they're looking for. And it's, 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 so it's been a pretty easy transition, I think, um, to figure out who to talk to, how to talk to them and how to sell quote unquote, um, a person or a business to the media. It's been pretty, pretty adventurous, uh, and a new challenge, but it's fun. And spe- speaking of a new challenge, you were on uh, the air recently as a guest, as opposed to a <laughs> yes. reporter. How was that for you? <laughs> yes, I was. Um, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, it was the first time. So I'm actually watching Fox 5 right now. It's in front of me. Uh, so I was in Fox 5 DC. Uh, a friend of mine, a really good friend of mine, owns a um, – she's a she's the vice president of um, Brilliant PR – and marketing another PR company uh, that focuses just on niche niche baby products and parenting stuff. And so she called me and said, "Hey, we need some talent to do a segment uh, in DC. I thought of you." And I was reluctant at first because I thought, oh, "No, I wrote off TV. Okay, we're done with TV. We're done. Like, <laughs> I don't know if I, I, I want to do this anymore." And um, but then I said, "Okay, of course. You know, for her, I'd do it." So it was really interesting being the guest instead of the host. It was really interesting not having an IFB in my ear, which is the little device that you put in the ear so you can hear everything that's going on in, in the control room or knowing what's coming up next. It's like you have like a little like sheet in your ear to know, like help you along yeah. sometimes or know where you are in the show. 
Um, so that was weird. Um, and not being in control of the interview. I feel like I still took control because that's just my personality. Yeah. <laughs> like, they didn't even ask me anything. I was just like, talked. I just started talking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was interesting. I'm like learning to just, I don't know. That was very, it was different. It was cool. It was a new experience. I added that to my tool belt, you know, things that I can do now. But it was, um, it was, uh, it was, I would do it again, you know. I would do it again um, if I had to. Yeah. But it was definitely different. I, I think I like being in the driver's seat instead of the passenger seat. But sometimes, you know, it's nice to be in the passenger seat <laughs> and be the interviewee. Um, do you have any big plans? Even this, and oh. I will say, even this, I will say this is interesting because you're asking me questions. And I, um, I'm usually the person asking the questions. So I'm, I'm kind of trying to get better at flexing this muscle of just being more myself instead of the reporter and allowing people to allowing people into my life a little bit more, not just, you know, me sharing the stories of others. And so, um, it's a little bit of an uncomfortability thing, but (laughs) I'm letting it happen. So, gosh, I'm making another woman uncomfortable. Hey, it's all right. <laughs> what are your upcoming plans for Envy? Like, uh, you know, after the new year, and you said you're going to move back to Salt Lake. How is that affecting what you're navigating? Uh, you know what I've learned over the years, Dylan, is just to not have. You know, when you make plans, God laughs and people say that, but that's so true. I mean, I'm just taking things one day at a time. I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, Envy is like the greatest company in the whole world, you know, of course. Um, but I don't know what's going to, I mean, the cool thing is, is I'm remote, so I can, a lot of my work is on the phone, emails, um, I do zoom conferences. So face-to-face video conferences with clients and, and things like that. Um, so it's a lot of like, just need your laptop kind of work. So if I didn't want to move to Salt Lake, it would be an easy transition. Cause I can go, I can literally work anywhere. That's the beauty of, of having your own PR company. I think it's just, you, you create your own schedule, you create your own, you know, calls and schedule and you just, you have ownership of that. So it'd be easy for me to transition to Salt Lake. Um, the, if I move back to Salt Lake, I don't know. I mean, I obviously, I just want to live. I want to live there because I love the energy there. Um, and everyone said, you're, you're seeing so much happier when you're in Salt Lake City. And that's so true. I think the environment has a lot to do with your mood, right? And I think the energy of the people of the beauty, the surroundings in Salt Lake city, uh, and Utah in general is just where I need to be. I think you just, I don't know, after a while you just have a calling and my calling, I feel like is, is, is in Salt Lake, um, to come back there and whatever happens, you know, wherever that takes me and whatever, you know, maybe I just, stay at home and be a writer and then that's it that would be my dream come true just to write books for a living 
Um, but yeah, so I, I think you create your own destiny no matter where you are. And I just, I'm just excited to see where things are going to go. I'm not really planning too much because, you know, God's in charge of that. So, yeah. <laughs> you, and you don't want to get, get in the way of that. <laughs> nope. <laughs> well, you mentioned me interviewing. How am I doing as somebody that interviewed and interviews professionally? How how am I doing? Because I'm like 80 episodes into this, and I don't know if I've grown. You know, I'm a lot more comfortable. But well, that's good. Hey, as long as you're comfortable and you're, and I think I, I've listened to a couple of your episodes before, and you 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 use this. This is not your main job. This is just something that you use as a creative outlet because you enjoy it, right? Yeah. That's what I understand. So that's all that matters. I mean, you know, you're doing a great job. Um, as me, as a reporter, I never prepared questions or anything like that, but each person is different. Um, sorry, there's someone rolling with a cart near me. Uh, At least it's I not that baby Oh yeah. I always, I always like to see where the conversation goes organically and then kind of ask follow up questions from there. Uh, but also have some, you know, did my homework, you know, kind of stories in my back pocket just in case I need to, to change the, um, to change the direction of the conversation. But I do think interviewing is an art form. I do think that, being an expert on in conversation and with people is an art form. It's a dance. It's something that you just get better with over time. Um, and I think you're doing a great job. And I will say, I want to say this to all the podcast people who are podcast people, like you're a certain kind of people. Oh, we are. We <laughs> I'm are. Just <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't say I don't want to say it like that. Those who are interested in doing a podcast or saying, you know, hey, I have an idea. I'm just going to go for it. I don't know if people are going to like it. I don't know if it's going to be received well. Who cares? That's what I say. The most creative people are the ones that are people who don't let them that get in their way, you know, um, do it. Everyone's going to have an opinion. It's subjective. People are going to like it. People aren't. And, uh, I admire people like you that are saying, Hey, you know what? I'm going to start this thing just cause it brings me joy. And if it brings other people joy, cool. That's what I'm doing this for. You know, um, I admire that. I think more people should do that and not, and not let fear get in the way of, of doing something that they want to pursue. You know, a lot of the times I think fear can get in the way of, of action yeah. and you took action to do and I've had what that you fear. want. Yeah. I've almost quit a few times, but I've had yeah, so many great experiences I've, that it's like, Look at what I've done. So I, I want to keep on doing it to meet great people and have my community yeah. grow. And, and you know what? People, and especially working in PR now, I know this. A lot of people are saying, you know, oh, that podcast doesn't have enough followers on Instagram. I don't want to do that. Or that, um, you know, that no one reads that magazine. I don't want to be in that magazine. Or, you know, I don't want to be in this TV show at this time because no one's watching. 
And I say to those people, like, you got to, first of all, you got to start somewhere. Second of all, I am such a champion of, and I don't, I'm a champion of the small startups, the, the underdogs, the, you know, you've got to start somewhere to, to go somewhere. And if I can help your podcast or, you know, grow and help you fulfill your mission in life to reach more people, that's what I'm going to do. I don't really, I don't look at it. Like, I think it's a lot of ego when people think, you know, oh, I need to be on the best and greatest, you know, platforms. And that's not always true. You know, you can reach people everywhere you turn. And so your listeners, they're going to hear me. I'm going to reach them in some way. And that's all that matters to me. It's, it's my ego. I don't, don't have one. I always like to say, I just don't have one. I, I, I truly believe I don't have an ego. I, I, I like to think that, you know, everything that I do matters and everything that you do matters. And it doesn't matter how big or small that thing is, you know, um, as long as you go for it and you put fear aside and you do what makes you happy and brings you joy, that's all that you should care about at the end of the day. Uh, that's beautiful. Sure. I have I have no comeback for that. <laughs> yeah, that, that's great. Well, we have so, I have some bonus questions to to wrap things up. Um, the first okay. one is, what does creativity mean to you? Ooh, what does creativity mean to me? Well, creativity is, ah, that's such a simple question, but it's such a complex answer. Um, <laughs> creativity is, is being an expert at thinking outside the box in your own way reigniting or igniting a sec, a different part of your brain to approach something differently. Um, taking something that once was and making it something else, whether that be better or whatever it is. And I want, Oh gosh, creativity. Yeah. It's just, it's just that passion and that drive to ignite a part of your brain that once wasn't that's how I would describe creativity and creating something. Um, you know, for me, it's, I can write a story and then I'll sit on a sentence for like 20 minutes and say, eh, I'm, this has been said like this before. How can we dissect this a little more and go deeper and really kind of, change you know and construct these words in a certain way that will still get my point across but feel different you know what I mean and as a writer and obviously that's my creative outlet is writing is you know I really take words matter and I take that pride and I take that time to think about that I think about the words that I say um in a very deep meaningful way and approaching words from all different angles to kind of convey the most clear message um, that I am trying to convey is what I think is a, a creative writer does and creativity is, is just approaching things in, in a different way. And, and again, igniting part of your self or brain or thought that it wasn't once there. 
that's how I would describe to creativity. The, the next two questions are a lot funner than that. That was that was a serious question. <laughs> who's your Who's your favorite Muppet and why? Oh, who's my favorite Muppet? First of all, Jim Hansen is like Hansen, 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 Hansen. He, uh, he had a show, by the way. They had a, had a show around this topic um, where they were creating these puppets based on Jim Henson's like idea. He was well before his time. Such a creative man. Oh, yeah, amazing. Uh, so, yeah. First of all, he was a creative genius. Second of all, my favorite Muppet. Oh, man. Gosh, Kermit the Frog. A reporter. Yeah. <laughs> The reporter. Yeah, you have to. How did you not? So, okay, and now I'm like getting my juice flowing here. So there's um there's a song that Kermit the Frog Frog sings. Do you know what song it is? Rainbow Connection. Rainbow Connection. Yeah, the big one. Yeah. That was like the big one. So I absolutely love that song. Confession. I love that song. We sang it in high school in choir. And I've just always associated um, that that song to something that I loved. And I know that Kermit the Frog sings that song. So Kermit the Frog all the way is my Muppet of choice. Nice. Hands down. For half a second, I thought you were going to say Miss Piggy. But just for a second. She's sassy. You know what? She's sassy. (laughs) I like, there's a lot I love about Miss Piggy. She's sassy. She marches the beat of her own drum. She doesn't take any crap. She's very outspoken. There's a lot I love about Miss Piggy. Um, too. So, yeah. Okay. I can see that. That's hard to choose. It's just too hard to choose. Your Muppet tribe. Kermit's good. <laughs> Gonzo's mine because I'm a weirdo and he's a weirdo. <laughs> Gonzo. Is he the one with the nose? Yeah, he's the one with the nose. I like Gonzo. He's unique. He's different. He's. I liked him. I think I think what I like about Kermit is he's he's gentle. Um he's gentle, he's kind, he's funny, he's knowledgeable, he's I don't know. I think I like Kermit, but definitely with a little dash of Miss Piggy in there, for sure. Well, there's combined Miss yeah, Piggy. They're a couple. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Perfect couple. <laughs> And then the last one, in the movie of your life, who would you want to play you? In the movie of my life, who would I want to play me? Oh, I have another question. I have a question to clarify this. For like like looks reasons or like attitude reasons? Attitude. Well, you, you give answers to both, but it's mostly like attitude wise. Oh, that's a great question. Well, I've been told that for looks, I've been told I look like a million people, but uh, one that sticks out is Eva Longoria. I've been told I look like her. I've been told I look like Demi Lovato. I've been told I look like, um, yeah, those are the main two, I think. Oh, no. Um, what's her name? Oh, my gosh. I can't think of her name. Ah, it's escaping me. Sorry. As Maybe soon as we're done, you'll remember. <laughs> I know, exactly. Um, not Christy Teigen. That's that's John Legend. Uh, what's the guy? The guy that played Magic Mike's wife. The guy. What's his name? Um, Christian. 
Channing Tatum's wife. Channing Tatum's wife. Um, I can't remember her name, but that's how I've been told I look like her too. Oh, Jenna Dewan Tatum. That's it. That's it. Okay. Jenna Dewan Tatum. Um, those are all looks wise, but I think, hmm. Oh my gosh. I don't know. This is crazy. This is a crazy question. I don't know. Hmm. I, I don't know. I, I love Sarah Paulson. I just love her <laughs> for her commanding presence as an actress and like just very like to the point kind of person. I feel like that would be my personality. Like there's no BS. You get what you get. You know, that she's a very commanding woman. And I feel like that would be great, even though she looks nothing like me. Uh, and we look nothing alike, totally different, but she's just, I love Sarah Paulson. I think, I think that would, I would want her to play me if she had dark hair. <laughs> sometimes she does. Yeah. I think sometimes in, she does. I yeah. think in glass, she had dark hair. Uh-huh. I, I don't like her in that, but I've seen other stuff where I've really liked her in. Um, but yeah. Okay. That, that's all I've got. Is there anything you want to share that we didn't cover? Uh, no, you know, I think I said, and I want to say it again, I just think that, you know, what you're trying to do with your podcast and just kind of just putting yourself out there and, you know, being yourself and wanting to do this with, and just to connect with people, I think it's just a great thing. And I think if more people, you know, just took that leap and just did it without worrying about what the world's going to think, you know. I would encourage people to do that um, and everything, you know, just go for it. I mean, I didn't think I could start a company, you know, I did and it's going all right. You know, I'm not dead yet. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I had, and even we talked about, and this kind of been a theme of what we've talked about is, you know, just having reservations about taking a leap of, you know, doing something you want to do like the mental health for media campaign. I was like, should I do this? Who am I to do this kind of thing? And then I was like, no, you know what? I'll just screw it. Just do it. Just do it. Like Nike says, just do it. And you know how it's received on the back end is, you know, it's secondary. You know, you just got to go for what you want to do. And, and I think that, you know, you're doing, you're doing that. And I think that's commendable. So, um, so keep doing it. Uh, where can people find uh, more info about Envy and all the other stuff you're working on? Um, so envypublicrelations.com is my website. And uh, we also have Instagram, Facebook for my company. And then um, if you want to follow me on Instagram, it's just Nicole underscore vowel with two L's. They can follow my post news journey as I recover from being a TV journalist. <laughs> <laughs> well. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. It's been okay. You know, nice getting to know you um, via text the past little bit, and then and now face to face. So, thank you for sure. Thank you, Dylan, and keep doing what you're doing, and reach people, and just keep doing what what makes you happy. That's the most important thing. Will do. Thank you.